reading of God's Word tonight. Ephesians 5, we'll begin in verse number 22. I'll read down a handful of verses here. The Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands uh, in everything. Uh, Look down with me, if you will, at verse number 30. For we are members of his body, speaking of Christ, of his flesh and his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you... In particular, so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Well, we preached a sermon a good while back on a Sunday evening about husbands, and so wives, tonight it's your turn. And so uh, the title of the message tonight is Wives, uh, the Strength of Submission. The Strength of Submission. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I ask that you'd help us as we consider a topic that on a lot of levels is difficult to preach, especially as a man. Uh, But, Lord, uh, I pray you'd help me to preach it with grace. Help me to preach it with clarity. And, Lord, I pray for those that are here today that are hearing the sermon or maybe listening online or will be giving this uh, later uh, through uh, the Family Month pack that it would be listened to carefully. Help us, Lord, to set aside our preconceived ideas of what the world tells us, how marriage is supposed to work. And, Lord, help us to embrace and totally understand that your word is is always correct, even when it flies in the face of how we feel or what culture says. And so, Lord, um, help us to be honest with ourselves tonight and examine and see where we can do better. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I'm going to begin tonight by reflecting back on that sermon I preached uh, on May 5th of this year. The title of the sermon I preached that night was Husbands Leading leading with a Submissive Spirit. And uh, I want to make sure I qualify the message this evening by making sure everyone understands, because it's just been so long ago, that I'm not coming into the message tonight. I'm going to say some strong things, all right? I'm going to say some strong things in the message tonight, not intended to hurt anybody's feelings. And the only reason why they're strong is because they just fly in the face of what culture tells us. They fly in the face of what feels natural and normal, but uh, they don't fly in the face of what's right and what's biblical and what's godly. I want to make sure I preface my comments by putting them in context. Men, you remember when I preached to you, many of you were here, I made it very clear and strong that you cannot lead your wife until you first submit to the Lord. your, Your ability to lead your wife comes from a platform of submitting to Christ, submitting to the Spirit of Christ. And we are total and utter hypocrites to try to get our wives to submit to us when we're not being submissive to God's Spirit. It's not right for you to look at your wife and quote Ephesians 5.22 and then turn around and live like the devil. It's not right. To the level that you as a husband submits to God, to that same level, um, your wife long term will probably end up submitting to you. Because you are her head. You are her leader. You are called to guide her. And so uh, in that sermon, we looked at four areas where the husband, uh, uh, rather four things that the husband does. We said a godly husband is spirit-filled. I think we have those notes up there. And I'm not going to go back and re-preach the sermon, but again, I just want to make sure I put tonight's sermon in context. 
a godly husband is spirit-filled. We said, number two, a godly husband is submissive. He is submissive. He's submissive, first, to, to his God, and second, to his wife. And uh, while the wife's primary responsibility is to be submissive to her husband, there are times where the husband would be wise to submit to his wife. Thirdly, we said a godly husband is a savior. A savior. We looked at how that the husband-wife marriage is tied into the Christ-church relationship. And Christ's purpose is to cleanse and purify the church. And the husband's purpose in leading his wife is to prepare her for the day where she'll stand in front of her Savior and give account for her life. Sir, how well are you doing in preparing your wife for that moment where she'll present herself to her Savior, to her God? Number four, we said a godly husband is selfless. And we looked at Ephesians 5, 28 and 29 and said, Look, us men are really good at loving ourselves and God has commanded us to love our wives. The, t- the idea of the sermon there was that husbands, in order to lead, you must first submit. Now tonight we're going to turn to the wife and we're going to talk about the wife's role in marriage. The wife's role in marriage. What has society taught us about marriage? It has taught us that anything you can do, I can do better. Right? There was that song, it was in the 1990s, I think uh, there was a soccer team, that was a uh, U.S. soccer team was really good, women's team, and uh, they had a video where they, they won the, the, the game, and they're rejoicing, I think they won the World Cup, and the song's playing in the background, anything you can do, I can do better, I can do anything better than you. And what has cult, the culture tried to do? It's tried to tell women that you can be everything that a man can be. What if I were to tell you that God did not make you to be everything that he made a man to be? And ladies, God did not make men to be everything that a lady can be. There are areas where my wife is far superior to me. And you know what? I'm okay to that. I'm completely okay with that. Uh, my wife has, like most women, an innate ability to sense things that I'll never be able to sense. And I have to trust her. She has ability to nurture my children like I can't do. Um, She can sense when something's just not quite right with one of the kids. She's able to comfort them in a way. I just can't comfort them. She's far superior to me in those areas. And I'm okay with that. The reverse side of that, ladies, is that God has made your husband to be superior to you in certain areas. Are you okay with that? Satan has tried to tell us that men and women are the same. And all you got to do is stand and look in a mirror and you realize men and women aren't the same. And the changes don't stop with the anatomy. They continue on in every way that we're built. Emotionally, we're different. Socially, we're different. Even when it comes down to buying shoes... We are quite different. Although I have known some men who have owned a lot of shoes. I might be one of them. Um, but uh, but I, don't, I still don't think my shoe collection competes with my wife, especially not the variety that we wear. We're different. We're different. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Women are, generally speaking, stronger emotionally, and men, generally speaking, are stronger logically. 
logically. Now, I've met some couples where that didn't quite fit. But most couples that are together, most husbands and wives, the man leads logically and is pretty dumb emotionally. And the wife has an innate sense emotionally that the husband lacks, but makes up for in logic. Being different is okay. Satan is working hard in every way to get boys to be girls and to get girls to be boys. And it doesn't just stop with the way he's getting them to dress. It doesn't just stop with pushing us all into the same barbershop. It doesn't stop there. It, it, it continues on in every way. And, and because of that, we have lost the borders of our gender. We have lost the definition of what that brings into marriage. And now you have fighting and arguing and bickering. Tonight, I want God's Word to speak to us, and I want, to be, I want us to see clearly that Satan wants nothing more to divide your home. I think it's fair to throw out the same disclaimer in this sermon that I threw out in the husband's sermon. There are some things tonight that I will say, and I will say them emphatically. But I want to make sure that before I make any of those statements, they are laid up against or laid under the foundation of it requires both a husband and a wife attempting to do this in the right model. I have known some fine Christian men and women who have married into a lie of a marriage. The husband or wife was not who they said they were prior to marriage. They married what I will label as a sinful narcissist. And when a wife in these scenarios would submit, it didn't have the effect the Bible says it should. In fact, the husband just ran over that submission and took advantage of it. I have known some men who have poured love all over their wife, only to have it taken advantage of by a very selfish, narcissistic woman. And no matter how hard they tried, the wife would not come around. And so while I'll say some things tonight that are strong, please understand that those statements are being meant to be made to a marriage where the husband and wife, for the long haul, are both attempting to do it within the Bible model. If you're here tonight and you have, uh, there are folks here tonight listening to my message that are divorced. There are folks uh, here tonight who are uh, have dealt with uh, great heartache. There are other folks here tonight that are uh, married legally, but there's been no romance in the marriage for years. It's just simply a, uh, a shell-type marriage. And my comments tonight are not meant to hurt you. If you're here tonight and you're listening to my message, I hope that you will not waller in self-pity or hurt. Rather, you'll take what's taught tonight and you'll use it to teach the next generation. That's the heart of it. That's the desire of it. It's never my attempt to make anyone leave here feeling guilty about things that have happened in their past that today are totally out of their control. Let's jump in tonight and look at three thoughts about submission as it pertains to what God has called the wife to be. Number one, notice the definition of submission. The definition of submission. What does it mean to submit? Look at verse 22 of Ephesians 5. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the, wife, husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. One of the toughest verses in the Bible for a 
feminist, the stomach. In fact, this verse has gotten the Bible labeled as hate speech on many occasions. And ladies who love the Bible, wives that love the Bible, uh, still uh, will bristle at this verse. I was listening to, um, uh, I think it was AM 960 on a Saturday morning as I was coming in. And there was uh, oftentimes on AM radio, Saturdays have completely different programming than the rest of the week. There was a man on there who is a uh, Christian counselor of sorts. He's not our stripe, but does a lot of relational type Christian counseling. And he had a guest lady on there he was interviewing who also did Christian uh, relational type counseling. And again, not our stripe. I don't know that they would line up with us on anything, but uh, it happened to be on the radio when I climbed in the car. And so I just kept letting it play. And uh, uh, the man asked the woman this question. The, the interviewer asked the interviewee this question. He said, why is it that women hate the word submit. And she said, ooh, we hate that word. Ooh, we don't like that word. And he said, you understand that it is a Bible word. And she said, we get it. We understand it. But we don't like it. She said, I would liken women's attitude towards submit in comparison to a man's attitude toward commitment. And I thought, ah. Now, I'm all about commitment. Committed to my wife and my kids and my church. But you look at society at large, why don't most couples get married? They just live together. Because they're afraid of commitment. Afraid of commitment. What does that word submit mean? And is it God's model? It is God's model. It's clearly found in the pages of the Bible. There's a a pastor out in California who pastors one of the largest independent fundamental Baptist churches in America. His name is Paul Chappell, and he's known for just telling it like it is. So I'll give you what he said about submission, and I'll blame him instead of me, all right? Uh, He said it this way. He said, submission means to put down your hands and quit fighting. To put down your hands and quit fighting. To all the wives and future wives here tonight, here's what I want to tell you. God did not call you to be a competitor with your husband. He called you to be a completer. Not a competitor, but a completer. Imagine with me tonight, you climbed in your car, and uh, you turn right on, uh, uh, on Putney here, and you're going down, and you get to Booth Park, and right there at the entrance of Booth Park, a dog jumps right out in front of you. And you look at the dog, and it's got two heads. You know what you'd say? That's weird. That's the strangest thing I've ever seen. A dog with two heads? You know what? Anything with two heads is is strange. Including a marriage. Including a marriage. And God has called the husband to be the head of the wife, not the wife to be the head of the husband. Now, the husband ought to lead his wife with love, not with a stick. Not with a spirit of a stick. And husbands, when you will lead your wife with the right spirit, your wife should follow right along. Now, if they've been raised in a feminist type movement, and they've got a feminist 
type attitude, you got your work cut out. You're really going to have to up the ante on the love. You're really going to have to work out a little bit harder. You're going to have to pray a little bit longer. You're going to have to fast over that thing. You're going to have to get on your knees. And you have to spend a lot of time in prayer asking God for wisdom. But nonetheless, you love her and you love her enough and you love her with the right attitude and you don't fight with her over every little thing and God will help her to want to follow you. A lot of men aren't, uh, a lot of wives don't submit to their husbands because their husbands aren't, uh, don't walk worthy of being followed. But ladies, ladies, I would tell you, God did not call you to submit to your husband when he deserves it. He called you to submit to him anyways. Look at verse 22 again. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You know what that verse means? That means you are to submit to your husband as though you are married to God himself. You want to know who has the harder job of submitting in, in this passage? The wife does. God tells the husband, submit to me. It's pretty easy to submit to someone who's perfect, isn't it? Then he looks at the wife and says, you are stronger than him emotionally. He would not be capable of submitting to you. But you're capable of submitting to him. Would God give you something to do that you couldn't do? I don't think he would. Would God command you to do something that he wasn't going to give you the grace to be able to do? Submit to your husband, even when he's a knucklehead. Submit to him as though you're submitting to the Lord. Let me give you an A to B here, and don't worry, when I give you an A, some of you are going to think, I'll be careful. All right, letter A, notice physical submission. Physical submission. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husband, those last three words, in everything. In everything. Take your Bible, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 4. Intimacy. Romance. Intimacy. Ladies, what you're looking for is emotional intimacy. You're looking for a husband to love you and to, to know what your emotional state is and even to be able to guess what your emotional state is. And most of us men are not capable of that, all right? But that's what you want. Uh, I have watched as my mom got upset with my dad for years because she was dropping hints about the dishes needing to be washed or housework needing to be done. And my dad was just like... If you want it done, tell me. Don't, don't make me guess. Don't, don't drop hints for an hour that are going right over my head and be like, I'm upset with you because you wouldn't wash the dishes. You know what I figured out um, as a young, uh, young man or as a teenager was the reason why my mom was dropping hints but not telling him was because she wanted him to be so one with her that it was, just became obvious to her that he could read her mind. Now, that's not fair, ladies. You need to tell your husband. But, but that, points, that points to the greater point here, and, and that is that women are after that emotional closeness, where he's so close to you, he can read your mind. Men are after physical closeness. They want that physical closeness. They want that apex of physical closeness. And sometimes men are dumb as a box of rocks and they don't know how to get there. In fact, it takes all of about five minutes to explain this. Maybe 20 minutes to explain it. It takes 20 years to get this down. 
Some of you have been married for 20 plus years, and you know if you've got a marriage that works and is successful, you know that what I'm saying is probably true. For the average couple, it takes 20 years to get this, this, this intimacy, emotional, physical thing figured out. Nonetheless, wives, God commands you to be submissive even in this area. Look at 1 Corinthians 7 verse 4. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. God has given me the body of my wife to steward and to take care of. He has given given my body to Angela to steward and take care of. It is my job to make sure that physically she is secure and she has everything she needs. If she needs to go to a doctor's appointment, it is my job to provide a way for her to get there and for that bill to be taken care of and for her to not need to worry about it. If her shoulders hurt, it's my job to rub them and and, and make sure that they don't hurt anymore. If she has a headache, it's my job to put her in bed with some Tylenol and some water, whatever it is that I'm, I do, and to make sure the kids are quiet so she can get rest. Because God has given me, the re- that body down there belongs to God, not me. It's my job to steward that body, because one day it's going to be given back to Him. Ladies, the same is true for you. The same is true for you. The body that God has given your husband belongs to God, and you are to steward that body. Here's what I believe. I believe that a lot of men struggle with with lust. And it's in part because their wives are not willing to do their job. You say, do you have to word it that way? Let me tell you why I worded it that way. I worded it that way on purpose. Because sometimes it feels that way. Just speaking to the ladies here. Sometimes it's going to feel that way. And I hope it doesn't always feel that way, but sometimes it's going to feel that way. At the end of the day, your husband needs to know that you are submissive to him, even in this area. Now, men, let me speak to you for a minute. Do not abuse this. Do not abuse this. Or you will lose your wife real quick. When it comes to this area, I have found that most men need to tap the brakes. And most women need to step on the gas. And somewhere in the middle is a great compromise. Letter B, let's look at philosophical submission. Philosophical submission. It is important that a husband and wife have long, long, deep talks about the goals for their marriage. Goals for their marriage. Goals for their children's adulthood. Guidelines to child rearing. Guidelines to house cleanliness. Guidelines to money management. Guidelines to family communication. There ought to be long, heartfelt communication about all of these topics. Some of you, your children may be teenagers. You need to have a long, hard chat with your spouse about what you want to accomplish in the remaining, waning years that your children are going to be at home. And the two of you need to be on the same page. Now, can I tell you that when I married my wife, she came from a different country, in a different culture, and a completely different way of doing things at home than I came from. But she didn't have to come from Peru and be a Spanish speaker for there to be some differences. My mom uh, grew up in Michigan. My dad grew up in Louisiana. Can I tell you, there were differences in the way that they cleaned the houses. Sometimes you can live right across the street from somebody, and there can be differences in philosophies in every one of these areas that are just as radical and extreme as any differences, the most radical and extreme differences that Angela and I had when we first got married. 
And ladies, you come into the marriage and uh, husbands, you would be wise to listen to your wife's out, uh, input when it comes to these topics of goals for the marriage and goals for the children and guidelines for child rearing and house cleanliness and money management and family communication and the list could go on and on. Men, you would be wise to take your wife's advice and listen to it and consider it and take the two pieces, take your opinion and her opinion and bring it into one. If I'm sitting and I'm giving marital counsel, that's what we do. We go through those things and we work to compromise as a men. You would be wise and loving of your wife to do that. But ladies, can I tell you, there's going to be a point in time where you wholeheartedly, philosophically disagree with your husband on something and you're just going to have to say, okay, we'll do it your way. We'll do it your way. If that's how you want to do it, is it violating the Scriptures? It's not violating the Scriptures. And that's how we're going to do it. My wife would not want me to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. Because <laughs> I got the mic. All right. When we got married, my wife was not a believer in spanking the children. Not a believer in it. Intellectually, eh, she kind of agreed. But in her heart, no way, no how. We had long, long, long talks about it. We read books about it. We counseled about it. And she came to a place where she said, I'm willing to give it a shot. Because that's what you want me to do. And I can see how you and your siblings have turned out. And it worked there. And so I'm willing to give it a shot. You know what um, a lot of wives would do is they would say, okay, when you're home you can spank them, but I'm not having anything to do with that. No, 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 no. Because this was something that we worked out and agreed upon, even when I was at work and she was home by herself, she spanked the kids. Not because she was raised that way, because she wasn't. But because she was submissive to my philosophy. She was submissive to my philosophy. And you know what? It's worked out because God commanded it. And I was being submissive to the Lord, and she was being submissive to me. And what do you know? The Bible happens to be right. It happens to work. Philosophical submission. Let's look at number two. We looked at the definition of submission. Number two, let's look at the degradation of submission. Satan has worked hard to tell us some lies about submission when it comes to marriage. Turn over with me to John chapter number eight and verse number 44, if you would. John eight forty-four, And then we're also going to look at chapter 10, verse 10, right on the heels of that. John eight 44. I'm going to begin reading. You can catch up when you get there. Jesus said, ye are, speaking to the Pharisees, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your fathers ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. What does Satan want to do? He wants to kill, right? He's a murderer. And abode not in the truth, because there is no, speaking of Satan, there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Turn over to John chapter 10 and verse number 10. Again, speaking of Satan, the thief cometh not but uh, for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. Don't you want life in a marriage? They might have it more abundantly. What does Satan do? He steals, he kills, he destroys. He lies, he murders, he tears down. Now, who is the father of this world right now? Not, let me rephrase that. Who is in charge of this planet right now? Satan is. 
You know what I'm not surprised about? I'm not surprised when I see evil in the world. Most of the folks in the world are lost. So they're going to follow their father, the devil. Um, if you have a philosophy that contradicts Scripture, where do you think that comes from? That comes from the devil. And so if uh, the woman, the woman's rights movement is saying, women empowerment, women can lead men, women can be better than men, women can compete with men, anything you can do, I can do better, I'm equal to a man, I can be better than a man, and that man ought to follow me! Well, that's not coming from God, it's coming from the devil. So what are, what has Satan done to tear down the word submission? Let me give you an A, B, and a C here. And again, this is, this would be coming from a satanic standpoint. Letter A, notice, submission is a loss of privilege. Submission is a loss of privilege. If I marry a man, and I agree to submit to him, then I, I have given up my privileges. This is a lie. This is a lie that Satan has fed the women, not only of this world, but women in churches. I cannot get past, in all the counseling that I do, in all of the um, uh, observing that I do, I cannot get past how many men follow their wife. Even at church. Even at church. And most men don't have enough backbone to stand up and lead. And so they just follow right along their wife. Now why is that? Why has this become such a problem even in the church house? Outside the church house, it's a problem of, uh, uh, that's so out of, uh, out of control that I don't know what the answer is other than just see people get saved and, and let the Word of God begin to work in their heart. But even in the church, it's become a problem. Why? Well, Satan has fed us the lie that submission is a loss of privilege. Many women have swallowed the lie that by being the follower in their marriage, that they have in some way, that that is rather in some way taken away some of the privileges of their womanhood. Back over here, Pastor Mike sitting in the auditorium. Pastor Mike works here. Brother Joe's sitting over here. Brother Joe works here. Miss Rachel's sitting next to Pastor Mike, their husband and wife. She works here. Does anybody here think that these three people are less of a person than I am? They're not less than I am. But you know what? Somebody's got to be in charge at work. Or you know what you have? You have chaos. Utter Chaos. They've not given up privileges of being human beings or Christians by choosing to work at White Oak Baptist Church. And ladies, when you marry your husband and you choose to follow his lead, you're not giving up any loss of privilege of your womanhood. We'll see in a minute that you're actually going to quite uh, elegantly enhance your womanhood. But Satan has fed us the lie that by submitting... By a wife submitting, she is given up a loss of privilege. Submission is a loss of privilege. Letter B. Submission is a loss of power. Submission is a loss of power. Another lie from Satan. Many women fall into yet another one of the devil's well-told lies. If I submit that I am admitting weakness or inferiority to my spouse. And I would say that that is not at all the case. I was part of a church in Maryland that went from, when we moved there, they were running 450 when I left a few years later, they were running over 1,200 in church. You know who I look at and give the credit to for that? A little bit the pastor. Mostly his assistants. Boy, my wife and I have had some long talks, and there were times the pastor would do some things that just leave us scratching our head. What is, what's he doing? You know, his preaching was pretty shallow, to be honest with you. Um, it was short and shallow. 
Short and shallow. Some of you wish I'd be shorter, but, uh, but you probably don't want me to be shallower. He was really shallow. And my wife and I say, how is this church growing with this guy leading the church? We ended up leaving because of some of the uh, shortcomings in the pastor. And I'm not going to say any names uh, of the church or where it was and all that. Well, that's not really uh, important to the point. Do you know why that church grew? Because the assistants working at that church were all-stars. Every one of them. Uh, one guy built a class from 7 to 200 people. Sunday school class. Another guy took a class of about 15 and built it to do about 125 people. And it wasn't that they were just recruiting people that were coming to the church. They were going out in the community and finding people and getting them to come to their Sunday school class. Did they give up any power by coming and being employee of that church and having that guy be the pastor? No. I have seen marriages that just thump along and struggle along, and they seem to always be in the mechanic shop, uh, mechanic shop of the counseling office. And by the way, I'm not here to throw stones at those marriages. Uh, we we want to help those uh, help help uh, those people out. That might be you tonight. There might be someone here tonight. You need to come and sit in in my office or another Christian counselor's office, and you need to get help. And by all means, we're here to provide that help and get you that help. Other marriages just zoom right along, and you look at the husband and go, "Yeah, I'm not really seeing a lot there. How come that marriage works so?" Well? Well, you know why? Because the wife is so good at following her husband. She's so submissive. She, she's right there with him. And she's making up for his weaknesses. And she never questions him or puts him down. And, and when he says something that doesn't make sense, she gets on her knees and she prays for him. And she lets God change his heart. Let her see. Another lie Satan tells. Submission limits my potential. Many women have lost their marriage, hurt their children, and added a lot of baggage to, the, 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 to those folks' lives simply because they didn't want to do it God's way. i got to be in charge. i got to tell everyone what to do. The other thing I see is that a lot of women will pick a man who's a pushover so that there's no challenge there. They'll marry a man that's a pushover. Maybe they were pushed around a lot as a child. So they pick a pushover of a husband so that they don't have to have that grueling, ruling jerk of a husband the way their dad was to their mom. And ladies, uh, there are some uh, personality types that are more of a leader type attitude and uh, there are husbands that come with more of a submissive type attitude. And I have, I have seen this where you have a lady who loves to be in charge just by her temperament. She's naturally in charge. When she walks in the room and there's a problem, she's going to leave the charge to fix it. And then you have some men, they're just more natural in the background want to follow. What happens when you have a couple like this get together is the wife ends up driving and running the husband. And ladies, if that's your temperament, I'm not saying that God wants you to get rid of your temperament, but I am saying that you're going to have to work even extra hard at letting your husband lead and allowing him to lead and talking to him about leading. Many of you know uh, Jake and Robin Holly. I'll, I, they wouldn't mind me sharing this. They're probably watching online. They usually watch on Sunday nights from home with the, with the small children. This is a hilarious story. At least I found it hilarious. You may not. But uh, many of you know Robin uh, found Jake and, and started to, to talk with him. Jake wasn't saved. And so Jake wanted to ask Robin out. And I think they met on a MySpace page back when that was a thing. And, um, and Robin said, look, if you want to go on a date with me, we've got to go to church. And so Robin took Jake to a church where a man who had been gay and gotten saved was speaking that night to a bunch of people who were, trying, who were gay who were trying to be healed uh, uh, from that. And Jake walked in and he said, what did you bring me to? And Robin said, I have no idea. And so that was the last time they went to that church. Then the next day they came here. 
And Jake, Robin would not date Jake other than coming to church with him. And after a few weeks, I believe it was Brother Verone who started it, maybe someone else finished it, but uh, uh, Jake Holly got saved right down here, I believe, in this section of the auditorium. And he really began to grow, and as he began to grow in the Lord, Jake and Robin started dating more. They got to a place where they got engaged, and they were talking about how their marriage is going to be structured. And Robin looked at Jake and she said, you have to leave me. He said, What? He said, no. She said, no. I'm supposed to submit to you and follow you. You have to leave me. Jake's like, what are you talking about? You were supposed to submit to me? Uh, What are you, some kind of stuff back in the 1800s? That's not how this is going to work. And she said, no, I am going to submit to you, and you are going to lead me. Are you leading me to lead you? (laughs) Yes. I am telling you that I'm not going to marry you unless you let me submit to you. And uh, may God give us more people with that attitude. And you look at a husband and wife team who have committed to do it God's way, and what you will find is that they are very happy and that they're very joyous. You show me a wife who's always competing against her husband to be in charge, I'll show you a marriage filled with turmoil. You show me a wife who's letting the husband lead and a husband who steps up and lead, and I'll show you a home that does it the Bible way, and a home that does it the Bible way has bliss beyond imagination. I would even challenge the skeptic, listen to the message with this. Go find a couple that are both committed to doing it the Bible way that is miserable and bring them to me. You won't find one. I was going to make a million dollar challenge. I I think I'd be safe to do that and not ever have to pay up. Because you're not going to find a couple that does it the Bible way that's miserable. You're just not. Where the husband is really loving his wife and submissive to the Lord and a wife really does love her husband and reverence her husband and submits to the Lord, you're not going to find a couple that hates, that's like, oh, this is terrible. It's just not going to happen. Let's, look at, let's finish the sermon number three and notice the delight that accompanies submission. The delight that accompanies submission. On the contrary to the big lie that Satan has fed us through the feminist movement, that being submissive will hurt you, limit you, uh, it, it, it disempower you, and all of those things, Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm going to show you from the Bible how that if you ladies, you married ladies and future married ladies will do it God's way, you're going to find, you're going to find that your womanhood and the purpose of God making you will be so greatly enhanced. Uh, let me give you an A, B, and a C here. Letter A, notice eloquence. Eloquence. Turn over with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1. 1 Peter 3. Verse number one. Everybody okay tonight? Maybe what we should have done is told the ladies, you're allowed to say amen this evening. Um, and we'll see how many of you are really on board with me tonight. No, I'm teasing. First uh, Peter chapter three. You men, you men have behaved yourself. I haven't heard a single husband say amen. You know better, don't you? <laughs> look at first uh, Peter chapter three. Look at verse number one. It says, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection or submission to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives. We'll come back to that verse in a minute. While they, while they, this is the lost husband, behold your chaste lifestyle or conversation coupled with fear. Look at verse 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, 
of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection under their own husband, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye follow in her example, or ye do well, and are not afraid, excuse me, and, not af- and are not afraid with any amazement. I find it amazing how relevant the Bible is. Uh, this concept of following Sarah's lead is scary. The Bible says if you'll do it without fear, you'll do it without being afraid, then you will be amazed at what comes to that. Look back at verse number 5 and look there, it says... Um, uh, for this, for, for after this manner in the old time, uh, the holy women also who trusted in God. Look at those next two words. Adorned themselves. How did they adorn themselves? Being in subjection under their own husbands. Now, in every marriage, we look, we talked about this in the sermon, Love and Respect. Every wife wants to know that she's secure in the love her husband has for her. Husbands, as you love your wives, you will fuel your wife to turn around and reverence you. Again, I'm speaking to a Christian home where both both uh, in the marriage are committed to following Christ's model. Husband loves his wife. Wife reverences, respects her husband. The reverence causes more love. The love causes more reverence. When one stops, both usually end up stopping and you have a mess on your hands where one has to get back uh, into that. Now, ladies, when you follow something your husband asks you to do, and it's clear to him that you don't want to do it, but you're doing it with a gracious spirit, you look more beautiful than you have ever looked, and your husband will want to love you on a level that he's never loved you on before. Eloquence. Eloquence. Letter B. I'm going to save some of my thoughts for a little little later here. Letter B. Look at empowerment. Empowerment. Let me go back to eloquence for a minute. I got ahead of myself a little bit here. I had a lady come to me one time and she said, my husband's a bum. She said, um, he, uh, yeah, he goes to work and he works hard, but he comes home and, and the outside of our house is a complete disaster. My car is a mess, he'll never wash it. Um, uh, we got siding and, and panels falling off our house. Uh, there is uh, things I can't physically do that he can that he won't do. And I asked her, I said, so uh, why won't he do it? She said, I don't know. I tell him all the time, but he won't do it. And I looked at her and I smiled real big and I said, that's your problem. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to get out a piece of paper and I want you to make a list of things that you want your husband to do. And I want you to put it on the refrigerator and then I don't ever want you to mention it again. Instead, I want you to go and change your spirit and love him and be sweet to him. And show him grace and kindness and mercy. Treat him as though you just married him and you're madly in love with him. Come back to me in a month and let me know how much of that list is done. She came back about two weeks later, had a big smile on her face. She said, the whole list is done, Pastor. Ma'am, when you're loud, boisterous, and nagging, you don't appear as beautiful. It doesn't matter how nice your outfit is, how much makeup you have on, how expensive your clothes look, or how good your hair, how good your hair is. These things are important. The outward appearance to a husband is very important. But you could be as pretty outwardly as you want to be. If you're coming at your husband with an ugly heart, then you will appear as very ugly to him. Don't spend so much time prettying up the outside that you let the inside become ugly. 
My wife would say to April when she was little, she'd say, Tu eres bonita afuera, pero muy fea adentro. That means you look very pretty on the outside, but very ugly on the inside. She's just a little girl. You know what? It's most important that you're pretty on the inside. When you're pretty on the inside, that brings an eloquence through your submissive spirit that your husband will not be able to resist. Let her be empowerment. Empowerment. Look back at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is, in, this is incredible. Look here. It says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. You know what Peter's saying here? He's saying some of you women are married to a man who's a lost, backslidden, uh, paganistic type guy. He's lost. He doesn't love God. He doesn't go to church. He tolerates your Christianity, but he isn't crazy about it. He said, let me tell you how powerful being submissive is. Where he's not commanding that you disobey the Lord, you obey Him. You submit to Him. You follow Him. You do exactly what He says. And as you do that, your cleaned up conversation, your chaste lifestyle, you know what it's going to do? It's going to possibly reach his heart and help him to get saved. You know, we have seen this very thing happen within our church multiple times. Just a, about a year ago, Pauline came in on Wednesday night. Boy, she was crying. She was rejoicing. She was laughing. And uh, tears of joy. And she raised her hand during the prayer time and she said, Pastor, after decades of praying for my husband, he bowed his head and he got saved. You know why? Because Pauline lived 1 Peter 3.1. I think of Joan Syrett, one of the most godly women I've ever met in my life. woman is dripping in godliness. Her husband just got saved a few years ago. Why? Because of 1 Peter 3.1. Through her submissive spirit, his eternal soul was saved. He could not resist the power of her testimony. The power of that submissiveness. I didn't ask permission to do this. I hope it doesn't get me in trouble. I don't think it will. Sitting back here is Miss Jeannie Wolf. Miss Jeannie got saved. God began to do some work in her heart. She wanted to go to church. So she found Wild Oak Baptist Church back, I think this would have been in the 1980s. Is that correct? Is that the decade? She came to Pastor Brown after church and she said, My husband doesn't want me to come to church anymore. He wants his dinner, his lunch on the table right at 12 noon. Me being here is keeping me from doing that. What should I do? Pastor Brown, and again, this is Pastor Brown's version. If it's not quite there, take it up with him, okay? Pastor Brown, I sat at lunch with Pastor Brown when I first came to the pastor. He shared this with me. He said that uh, Jeannie went home, and she put a pot, uh, a, a roast in the pot. She got that going. She fed her husband breakfast. She sat the children down at the dining room table, and she began to have Sunday school with the kids at home. After two or three weeks of that, her husband came in and said, What are you doing? And he, she looked at him and said, I want to submit to you, but I also want to submit to God. And the Bible says I'm supposed to go to church. You're not letting me go to church. You're telling me I can't go to church because you want your lunch on the table. And I'm willing to do that for you. But I am going to have church out here at home with the kids. He looked at her and said, who told you to do that? And she said, my pastor. His jaw hit the floor. Just a few weeks later, Bill walked in the door. He grabbed Pastor Brown by the hand and he said, Any man that would tell my wife to follow me, I need to know more about him. 
just a few short uh, weeks later, months later, Bill Bowda said he accepted Christ as a Savior and was faithful to this church to the day he died. You going to tell me being submissive doesn't have a power to it? Oh, it has a power. Letter C, and lastly, notice the word enrichment. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. It says there, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And look here, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Marriage is a circle. It's a circle. The husband loves his wife. The wife reverences her husband. And the one does one, the other does the other, and it keeps the wheel Rolling. You know, you cannot reverence your husband, ladies, unless you're willing to submit to him and follow him. And look, it's easy to submit to him and follow him when he's taking you out to dinner and he's bought you roses. It's not so easy to submit to him and follow him when he's been working overtime at work and not giving you the attention you want. It's not easy to submit and follow him when he's lost his temper and he's not been a very nice guy. By the way, I want to make sure I say this somewhere in this message, and we're at the end, so I better say it now. Meekness is what God has called the wife to have, a meek and quiet spirit. But meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness does not mean you lay down and let your husband run over you and live how he wants. There is a time you look your husband in the eye and say, what you're doing is wrong. And I'm not going to tolerate it in this marriage. That's not going to fly here. And I will follow you to the end of the world. I will crawl across broken glass if that's what you want, but I am not going to sin and I'm not going to stand by and let you sin against me. Meekness simply means this. It's power under control. Power under control. Power out of control yells and screams and hollers and loses their cool. Power under control says, I'm not going to be a pushover and I will stand for what's right. There are several women in the room right now who've had to take some hard stands against some husband's sin. And it sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't. But you always are right to stand against sin. You know, when you will follow God's model, it greatly enriches your marriage in a way that you just can't understand until you do it. I'm looking around the room at marriages here that have been together for... 30, 40, 50, in in this case, coming up on 60 years. Couples that are connected at the hip, two have become one. And you know why? Because they were willing to follow God's model. How about you tonight, ladies? You're going to compete or complete? I know I'm taking liberties with words here. You're going to compete or complete? Which will it be? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, thank you tonight for your word. I pray, Lord, that the spirit in which the sermon was delivered was kind, was not ugly. And, Lord, I pray it was received in that same manner. Satan has fed our society a bill of lies. Satan has tried to teach women that they are the same as men and they can be better than men. Lord, it's not about who's better or worse, stronger or weaker. Lord, it's about a matter of simply being submissive to you and your calling on us. Lord, may we accept who we are in you and follow the model that you have for us. Lord, I pray that the sermon tonight would go a long ways toward helping marriages to improve. 
Help wives to see that by following a submissive model, their husband's shortcomings oftentimes will clean themselves up. Not always, but oftentimes. Lord, I pray husbands and wives would get down on their knees together tonight and they'd commit to each other in a very powerful way. Some things were said in the sermon tonight, Lord, that can help the men. I pray that the husbands here would commit to a stronger marriage as well. Their role of loving their wife, in Jesus' name.